My name is Lynn McTaggart. Welcome to my podcast, Living the New Science. In these podcasts, I'm covering some extraordinary discoveries by frontier scientists and other new thought leaders, and why this changes everything we think about how our world works and also how we should live our lives. My favorite person in the whole world, Dr. Bruce Lipton. So wonderful to see you again. How are you doing? Welcome here. Lynn, I am so excited to be with you. Every time we get together, it's like a highlight of the day for me. And your beauty and your your intelligence, which is so amazing, because I listen to you and learn so much and I so appreciate everything you offer. Thank you. Oh, right back at you. And I'm sure I don't need to introduce Dr. Lipton, but if you by any chance don't know who he is, he is somebody who was minding his own business, faculty of the <laughs> University of Wisconsin School of Medicine, when he made some extraordinary discoveries about epigenetics and the fact that DNA is not destiny. And ever since that, he's written three amazing books, The Biology of Belief, Spontaneous Evolution, The Honeymoon Effect. He lectures all over the world. He helps everybody understand that their destiny is in their own hands. So welcome, Dr. Lipton. And we're going to have a great conversation back and forth about achieving inner evolution. So let me start by just asking you a question. Um, what do you mean by being able to change inner evolution? Because we all really do believe that genes are destiny. Well, the biggest story comes down to knowledge is power. And everyone goes, yeah, we all know knowledge is power. But let me put it in a better way for us now. A lack of knowledge is a lack of power. And a misperception, by definition, is a lack of knowledge. And now I have to say, we have been for the last 50 years operating under two very uh, important misperceptions. A, the one you brought up, genes control our life. This is totally false. Uh, and the second one is actually uh, the idea of a Newtonian universe that's split into physical matter and invisible energy and two different realms and they don't communicate and whatever's physical should be, you know, interfered with by something that's physical. So that's why we have pharmaceutical drugs. We have a physical body. You want to fix it. You have to give it something physical. So those are the drugs. And that's an outdated and disempowering illusion because it turns out it's energy and consciousness that shape the world. And 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 let me just emphasize it so it's not so it's so weird sounding. Yeah, it's consciousness, our mind is creating this. Well, quantum physics is to me the most valid science on the planet. Uh, it, even before it was fully understood, the theoretical ideas that were presented have all been actually uh, realized that uh, the, that this is such an amazing science, quantum physics. And I say, so what's relevant about this valid science? I go, the first principle in quantum physics is consciousness is creating our life experiences. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, oh, that's so new age. I go, no, that's about as hardcore science as there is. And uh, this consciousness, uh, and and this is why I love working with you, Lynn, because your job has been raising consciousness 
around the world, uh, and that is how we're going to evolve, is uh, not physically evolve, but we're going to evolve with consciousness. And so uh, the knowledge uh, that you're providing for people is empowering, and I like to do the same. Wonderful. And, you know, you brought up something so important, which is this whole idea of quantum physics being the most important, the most successful science, and probably the only real science now, because that whole Newtonian Newtonian idea that there are two sciences, the science of the large and the science of the tiny, and they have two different sets of rules, is completely outdated too. We now know that there's essentially one rule book for all of life, that quantum physics is science now. And we now are seeing quantum effects in photosynthesis, one of the most important processes on the planet. The reason we're alive is photosynthesis. And we now know in that crucible of change within every plant is a quantum process. We now know that some of the biggest molecules in the universe can operate according to quantum effects. So quantum science is science, but also it's the science of the body and healing. And that's what makes it so interesting when we talk about DNA, because we think of DNA as, and we think of our bodies as being, you know, this this matter of, of chemicals and electrical signaling, if we're lucky. Mostly we think of it as just being meat and set meat. And what we are now finding is that it's not that at all, that it is energy and that it is subject to all sorts of other energetic effects, particularly our thoughts. You know, I I love one great statistic that I want to share with you, which is a, a study of the outcome among patients given placebos, okay? So these were patients with illnesses given placebos. And um, and I believe they all had the same illness. It was, I think it was carpal tunnel syndrome or something like that. But one half of them were told, this medicine is really gonna work. Real positive thing by a doctor. And it was by a doctor. And they were told, this is gonna fix it all. And the other half were told, well, I don't know. We're going to just try it. It might work. It might not. And believe it or not, there was a 61% difference in outcome between those patients, 61%. So there were something like 69% of the people who were given the positive diagnosis and positive prognosis got better compared to 39% who, who were told maybe it'll work. So what is what are we talking about here? We're talking about belief. We're talking about mind. We're talking about thoughts affecting the body and just feeling confident. And that is that blows everything out of the water when we start thinking <laughs> about DNA, right? So well, that, that's the old story. And we all were raised on that story. Yes, DNA turns on and off and controls the characters of your life. And I say, well, how does life work? And people say DNA turns on and off. And I say, yeah, but how does that work? And everybody goes, well, I, you know, that's what I was told. <laughs> I go, yeah, so what? I said, how does it work? And the answer is it doesn't work that way at all. 
DNA is the equivalent of a blueprint. It, it is what is used to make the proteins of the body, which are very complex molecules. Uh, so the DNA is a pattern. Uh, it's actual blueprint to make molecules. And I go with significance is, well, if you go into an architect's office and she's working on a blueprint, you ask her, you say, hey, is your blueprint on or off? And she would look at you and go, well, are you crazy? There's no on and off to a blueprint. And I go, that's exactly right. The genes do not turn themselves on and off. They're controlled by signals from the environment. Uh, and this is the foundation of the new science epigenetics. This is what my research revealed back in 1967. Uh, and ever since then, I've been following it. And it really comes into the work that you've done as well, Lynn, because um, I want to give a quote here that uh, from my hero in science, Albert Einstein. But I want to it emphasizes the nature of Lynn's work because the quote is the field is the sole governing agency of the particle. I go, that is a fact of quantum physics. I say the field is the sole governing agency of the particle. Well, particles matter. The field is energy. So basically saying the energy field is the sole governing agency of matter. And I go, well, that's exactly the whole idea of it. And I go, well, then where's this energy field coming from? And it turns out the brain is uh, is this wonderful device that uh, translates everything into energy. Uh, you know, you, you might smell a, a, a cake, but uh, the brain doesn't have smell. It has vibrational energy. You might see that cake, but I say there's no vision in the brain. It's all turned into vibrational energy. Everything is turned into energy. Uh, and, and so our thoughts are emanating from this device. And you go, so what about my thoughts? I say, well, very interesting fact is that we would put wires on a person's head and say, oh, electroencephalograph, I will read your brain activity inside your head. And everybody goes, yeah, my thoughts are inside my head. I go, but there's a newer device called magnetoencephalograph, not EEG, but it's called MEG. I go, what's that? I said, it reads brain function. I goes, yeah, so what? I go, the probe is out here. I go, what does that mean? Well, the answer is, your thoughts are not contained in your head. You're broadcasting your energy fields. And these fields not only affect you in the personal level, but they influence everything in the field around you as well. And this turns us right back to the quantum physics. It says, yeah, the, the consciousness, the energy field is what's creating our life experiences. Uh, uh, and so uh, the field becomes the big story here because that's the invisible stuff. Uh, and your consciousness is generating that field. And I go, so what's the relevance? Well, you brought up, uh, Lynn, about the placebo effect. Well, what was the consciousness of the person who was told that this drug is going to heal them? Well, they, oh, the authority, the doctor said, I'm going to get healed. Oh, guess what? The thought of that healed them because the drug could be a sugar pill. That's not, you know, the placebo, it's, it's, a, it's a sugar pill. <laughs> I go, oh, so positive thinking controlled our health i go yes that's 100 percent true the field your thoughts your energy is controlling your health and i go and and but what we've left out of the story is what about negative thinking <laughs> i go what do you mean i go well everyone talks about positive thinking placebo effect it heals you and i go yeah but guess what negative thinking is equally powerful but works in the opposite direction meaning with positive thinking you could heal yourself of any disease with negative thinking, you can die and create any disease. You can create your own death just because you believe you're going to die. 
And all of a sudden I say, well, then it's the power of belief, positive or negative, that is shaping the world. And I go, well, this is why when we look at people's beliefs and, and they, they do a, you know, an assessment of, they find out over 60% of the beliefs that we're manifesting every day are negative and disempowering, self-sabotaging thoughts that we've acquired, such as, I'm a victim of my genes. That's a belief. <laughs> and somebody says, yeah, well, I'm going to die of cancer because it's running in my, in my family. And they get cancer and then they find out there's no gene that causes cancer. Ooh, oh, I'm, I'm saying this on uh, on Lynn's show. I will have to emphasize that there is not one gene that if you have this gene, you have cancer. Genes are correlated with cancer. Genes are not causing cancer. This is why half the women that have the breast cancer gene, BRCA2, half the women never get the cancer, but they all possess the gene. So where's the point? I said, the gene didn't cause it. It was a lifestyle that was not in harmony, that ultimately activated what is called a cancer gene. I said, so what do you mean? So if you change your thoughts, you can get rid of cancer? I go, yeah, well, that's what spontaneous remission is all about. Uh, and so um, I'm stepping on Linsfield here because this is where this emanation of thought and we don't see it, and we don't in our history. Oh, that's just thoughts and feelings. I go, those are the controls that are manifesting your life, your thoughts and your feelings. Your feelings are the translation of the energy into sensation. So your feelings are like a compass. They're telling you whether you're going toward more life or to less life. I, I, I'm talking quite a lot here, Lynn, but I just want to give up one little story that makes a point for me. And that is this. Mm -hmm. uh, a snail comes out of an egg. There's no mother or father snail. I say, yeah. And now it's in the world. I say, how does it know what to do? <laughs> you know, there was no teaching or anything. The point is very simple. It has the equivalent of an energy gauge on the dashboard. There's only one gauge on the entire dashboard of the snail, and it's energy. And I go, so what is relevant? I said, as it moves through its world, it always moves toward higher energy because energy is life. And so it's guided by, this, by the compass that says, oh, this is more energy. And it goes that way. And, and if it comes to a plant, should I eat this or not? Well, plants have energy to them. And so the snail reads the energy. Does this energy of this plant make me have more energy? Or does it take away my energy? Because the energy level can be enhanced or decreased based on what's going on. So I say, so the whole life of the snail, no training, no teachers, no school, follow the energy. That's what the whole story was. And the energy, as I said, are feelings. And then all of a sudden you realize most of us have been programmed not to really pay that much attention to the feelings, you know. And I say, well, that is the compass. And, uh, uh, and the field is translated into feelings. And that's why now I turn it over to my dear partner, Lynn, because she's Miss Field over there. <laughs> I love that story of the snail, Bruce. That was that's new information for me. That's for sure. That it's all it's doing is got that little dashboard of energy. But everything you said is so true and applicable to human beings too. Uh, I was always I was fascinated by 
the book of Kelly Turner called Radical Remission, where she studied cancer patients, the ones who survived against all the odds, the ones that were given up as no hopers. And she found those who went into so-called remission as in cure um, had nine common factors in the way they dealt with their disease. And when I looked at the nine, there were only two that related to changes to their physical body. And that was changing their diet and taking supplements and maybe herbs. Everything else was about thought in some way, taking control. Uh, and it was also about community, having a strong community. I'm going to get to that later about how that is one of the biggest energetic forces we have is collective thoughts. But I found that so interesting that the people who changed were the people who changed their thoughts. They're the ones who got healed. And something else that you said before about the, the women with the BRCA gene, the breast cancer um, patients, whether they got cancer or not, they actually looked at that with the Women's Health Initiative study. This was really interesting. I'm sure you know all about this. They combed through that data and that was a big study of hundreds of thousands of women. They wanted to show for, for all time that HRT, hormone replacement therapy, is safe and doesn't cause cancer. But so many women who were taking HRT were developing cancer, they had to stop the study. So lots of subsequent scientists have been combing over that data because it's a goldmine of information. And of course, a lot of the drug company sponsored studies are trying to negate that study too. But anyway, those who have gone through it, they found, one study found, they wanted to see whether or not genetics and familial history of breast cancer predisposed, predisposed women to getting breast cancer. And they found, just as you said, Bruce, no, the only thing that pre predisposed that them to breast cancer or the primary thing was HRT. So it was that epigenetic thing of taking something outside the body that caused the expression of cancer. So I want to give you also a DNA story that I think is really interesting. And it's one of many that uh, I collect with my power of eight groups and my Power of Eight masterclass, you know, I, I work with people in Power of Eight groups, small group intention. And I've seen now hundreds, if not thousands of cases of so-called genetic diseases reverse. I give you a wonderful example of that. Lisa. Lisa goes to a place called the sanctuary for the first time. Now, she has a so-called incurable genetic disease called alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. So it's an, a deficiency of a certain enzyme that can cause terrible problems with the liver and lungs. And her doctors for years were telling her she's looking at a liver replacement eventually and liver failure. And she had a, a swollen liver, swollen spleen, constantly going to the doctor. So she goes to this place called the sanctuary, which learned how to do power of eight groups from, from me and started running their own little power of eight group there. And so she decides to go and she participates for the first time. And I always tell people, they don't have to do this for hours. You don't have to meditate for hours. You just do it together as a group for 10 minutes. 
So she gets together with this group for 10 minutes, gets the healing. That night, she feels a lot of energy going up and down her arm. And she just feels really, really different. And so she goes to the doctor a few months later. And lo and behold, she finds that her liver is normal. Her spleen is normal. She has two consultants who have written her letters saying, you are healed, essentially. You are normal now. That was after one little group thought intention and also her openness, her belief, hey, I'll give this a try. And that's what can give us some sort of idea about the power of thoughts to change DNA and turn off what was supposedly a genetic disease in 10 minutes. I call it epigenetics. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. Exactly. exactly. People, we have to go back and, and recognize that. Yes, I mentioned, in fact, no genes are blueprints. They can't turn on and off. But then we have to say, so what is it that ultimately controls the genes? And the answer is the environment. Uh, and this is how animals evolved over the history of our planet. As environments change, the animals conform to environments. It's not an accident that, you know, polar bears are not in Africa. Polar bears are in the Arctic and roses don't grow uh, in Antarctica. And I go, because each organism fits the environment. I say, well, how did that happen? And the answer is the new science of epigenetics reveals there's a lockstep interaction between the environment and the organism. And as the environment changes, organisms have to either adapt or die out. And if they adapt, then they, they survive. And that's how life is in every part of the entire planet, from the frozen ice of the Arctic, you know, to the Sahara Desert. There's all life forms everywhere because it's adaptation. So I say, yeah, but so it's the environment. And so just quickly to help people understand that, what people are talking about, yeah, that's the environment out here. I go, no, you, you see, the cells inside the body can't see this environment. My liver cell can't tell where the hell I am right now. I say, yeah, but it has to adjust itself to the environment. So I say, how does the liver cell know what the environment is? And I go, this is the issue. Between the environment and the cells is consciousness. Consciousness interprets the environment and then sends chemical signals, hormones, growth factors, and all those regulatory agents into the body to adjust the body to the environmental situation well, that's cool except if you have a misperception of the environment and you read the environment incorrectly then what's going to happen is you're going to send signals that are not in harmony with that environment uh, and so if you live in an environment where you think there's threats or you know you're not secure and say unsafe then you will automatically, your brain will take that picture of the environment, translate it into chemistry and get you in a, a fight or flight, you know, mode here, which is a protection response, which compromises growth. And I go, yeah, but maybe there was nothing out there in the environment except your belief of that. And I go, ah, we're back to placebo, nocebo. And the idea is your belief is controlling this. Uh, the positive belief, uh, I can heal anything. The negative belief, I'm going to die of everything. Uh, and, and it all comes down to how did it happen? The brain is the interface between the environment and the cells. But the brain is programmed from experiences. And uh, one of the big ones, and I really need to bring it up here because I love your, uh, you know, what doctors don't tell you stuff <laughs> as uh, because 
I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> but uh, what I want people to understand is this. Brain is a computer. It's absolute, the uh, most fantastic computer that humans have ever known. It's more powerful than any computer a human can create at this moment. Uh, and the brain is really a device that reads environments and interprets it. But it does so as a computer. And I go, point of this. Let's say I got a brand new computer today. And uh, in the old days, they, you'd get a brand new computer. It didn't come with a program. Okay, got a brand new computer, open it up, push start, boots up, screen lights up, and I go, now do something. It's like, oh, wait, I can't do anything. Why? Well, first you put the programs in, then you can use the computer. And during the first seven years of a child's life, the brain is operating at a state of hypnosis called theta. And I go, so what is this for? Because how many rules does a person need to live in a family and a community on the planet? I say hundreds of thousands of rules. You have to deal with everything. I go, well, how's an infant going to learn all those rules? They can't read the book. They can't go to school. They can't. I go, no, they don't have to. First seven years, brain is in theta hypnosis. They observe the behaviors of others around them. The child especially focuses on the mother and father and sees the whole thing about what relationships are all about. Why? Programming. They just, the infant is just programming these behaviors. Okay. Well, these behaviors then become the functional subconscious brain below consciousness. They're operating back there all the time. The reason I want to bring this uh, up right now is simply this is that um, in that first seven years in a normal family, that when someone's sick, where do they go? Oh, they go to the doctor. I go, so what is the program? Well, by seven years, what have you seen? And anytime somebody's sick, you go to the doctor. I say, so yeah, but what did you learn? The answer is the doctor provides the truth. Why? Well, I'm a, what the heck do I know? The doctor is the specialist. So when the doctor says something, those words become truth to the system. It's a program. It just says whatever they are. So the prognosis that a doctor gives is actually uh, <laughs> shaping the future of the of the patient. Why? Because the brain is accepting the fact that, yes, the doctor's professional. I'm not. Doctor says these things are going to happen to me and as I die. <laughs> and I, I go, then what? And I say, well, the brain will engage them because that's the program. And this is why it's so important that we have to understand about the nature of the medical community. Their words have so much power for the people who grew up with medical doctors as their, you know, developmental period. And that all of a sudden, then the patient doesn't realize that whatever the doctor just said now has a program that's activated. Oh, you're going to die in three months. Oh. Okay, a patient can die in three months and then end up dying not because of the so-called cancer. There wasn't any reason other than the fact that it was three months and that's when they died. This becomes to me so important. And this is why the power of eight, changing the consciousness, the uh, field story that Lynn has brought to the public in a big way uh, is so critical for us because we have been programmed. And if you grew up with that way, your conscious mind say, no, I don't really care what <laughs> what the doctor said. I'm going to be healthy. And I say, that's your conscious mind. That's your creative mind. Guess what? It only operates 5% of the time. 
Your life is 95% coming from the program, and you don't know it at all because it's automatic. And if you came from a program where doctors were the health provider, then anything the doctor says, by that definition, becomes your absolute truth because you bought that as a program. And this is what we need to undo a bit because, um, hey, I used to be in a medical school. I used to be a professor there, you know. I want to tell you something. It's the damn pharmaceutical company's money and influence that shapes the curriculum in the medical school. We never even talked about energy in medical school. They didn't even talk about diet in medical school. They, 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 it's like, how can you understand life? Uh, and the answer is, it's all paid for by an agency that uh, depends on you taking a drug for every little thing that you feel that is something wrong because you're programmed by the belief system to do that. And I want to thank my dear friend Lynn and her husband Brian, because together they have been trying to awaken the world to the story I'm talking to you about. And it's important because I want you to have your power. It's your power. And if you give somebody else that that option to take their power, then it's not yours. <laughs> you just bought somebody else's program. Uh, uh, and, you know, there, there's an old saying that for 400 years that explains all of this, and nobody paid attention to it. And, and it came from the Jesuits. And they said a simple factual statement that science now is 100% factual. And that is, give me a child until it is seven, and I will show you the man. What did they know? Whatever programs that you got before age seven, 95% of your life is coming from that program. That's what science now recognizes. They saw it too. Are you living your life or are you living the program that you got? Well, unfortunately, without any awareness of it, then 95% of your life is actually the program. And then you struggle because your conscious wants wishes and desires and the subconscious program may not offer it. And then you got struggle. And get out of the struggle and to do that you know hey read lynn's book and 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 also understand what the power of eight is all about how you can change the field so that's my little soapbox blurby i'll stop <laughs> well you know i totally agree with you bruce on all things <laughs> medical i actually run a course i i just ran it this past autumn for health professionals, including doctors, which is called Become a Better Healer, because I try to program them to use much more positive language and to get rid of things like prognoses. And I got the idea for doing that course because I had my own health challenge uh, about four or five years ago, and I was so appalled by the languaging that doctors, but not only doctors, other healthcare professionals, a lot of alternative practitioners too, were using things like it's going to be a long and painful journey for you to get better. Or somebody once said to me, you're a shadow of your former self. And I had to stop them and say, what do you think that's going to do to me right now? You know, do you think that's going to be a healing statement? You know, people just don't, they're not conscious of it themselves because they have been themselves programmed with a bully culture, which is modern medicine. So I totally agree with you about that. And of course, all of the placebo effects studies, I mean, show that what you believe is going to happen to you is 
is absolutely critical. Um, one, you know, one great study by Ted Kapchuk from Harvard University had two groups of patients, and this was carpal tunnel syndrome. And he gave one of them a pill, and the others got acupuncture. And about a third of the group of a three, four hundred had such severe side effects they took to their beds. And but the majority got better, particularly with the acupuncture. But here was the kicker of the study. The pills were cornstarch and the acupuncture was sham acupuncture. So nobody received anything. It was totally their beliefs that dictated whether they got better or they got worse from the, from the so-called drugs. So that gives us a big, big hint about healing and affecting our DNA. And one of the things that I've been doing now for several decades is playing around with group intention in both my big intention experiments and power of eight groups. And one of the things I was really interested in relating to health and DNA and expression of DNA came from Dr. Leo Gallen, the very well-known integrative practitioner from New York. And he called it four pillars of healing. So he talked about diet and exercise, um, supplements and um, detoxing. Those were the first three, essentially. But the fourth one, and essentially the biggest, was community. And that is one thing that I've really found that is really underappreciated and po possibly the most powerful mechanism we have for reprogramming that negative mindset, those, you know, majority of thoughts we have that are negative and disempowering and, and um, cause ill health. One of the, the big things is community. There have been so many studies showing that we need to belong more than we need to breathe, essentially. We, we, are, we need to live in community. And they've done some studies looking at uh, community effects on so-called genetic diseases. So for instance, this great study on depression, they took two groups of people, a batch of Filipinos who had genetic, um, whatever that gene was that predisposed them to depression and a group of Americans with the same. And they looked at them and they found that even though the Americans had a lesser gene for depression. They were less likely to get depression. They were more depressed than the Filipinos. Why? Because the Filipinos live much more in communal types of societies where it's big extended family. There's a lot of communal connection and support. And that support prevented those genes from turning on. So, what I feel is there are two things that are really important here. And one is your thoughts, but those thoughts can be changed, I've found, in small groups. I've even with, you've talked about early programming. One of the things that we've done most recently, I've done it with my husband, Brian, who wrote a book called The Untrue Story of You and developed a whole mechanism for understanding how to heal your past, essentially. And he did it because of his own past with a very verbally abusive dad. Um, but we have found that intention, because you can thought is 
thought and belief is so powerful on the body, it also can deal with that programming. And I do a lot of retro intention, not only in that course, but I do some in my Power of Eight Intention Masterclass to show people how to essentially reprogram themselves. You don't change what happened. You change your power and your interpretation of what happened. But you, you take back your power, essentially, which is a really important element in the human spirit. So for me, community, Power of Eight groups are the way I express it. And I, I teach that in my year-long course, the Power of Eight Intention Masterclass. But I feel that is a way to reprogram yourself. I've seen it with so many people. The woman, Andrea, my course last this past year, she was a quiet little person who never felt like anybody would listen to her. She felt unheard and she felt not deserving of anything, including intention. But with the power of the group, and one of the great things about it is you're not only in getting intention for yourself, but seven eighths of the time you're intending for other people. That altruistic tendency is one of those positive things that Bruce talked about before, about positive thoughts. There's something about doing things for other people. We were also, we were also meant to do that too in our human experience. Something about that that is so healing that I find that oftentimes people who are stuck the act of doing for someone else or intending for someone else heals the healer himself. So I think the communal aspect of all of this is a real healing mechanism. And, and one of the things that, that helps to reprogram that internal and external uh, life. Now, you've talked about that in some of your recent courses, Bruce. Um, and I think you've got one, you've got one now you're talking about, about in, inner evolution, right? Yes. Well, the whole idea is this. We've had life experiences and our life experiences are recorded. And we record them at every level from emotional level to physical level. Uh, uh, and these are like recordings. And unfortunately, the, these recordings become part of programming because if something was scary uh, and it scared you then, it, uh, and that was when you were an infant, it, it could scare you right now. Again, the same thing. I mean, uh, uh, a person uh, who, you know, I tell a story, there's two kids grow up uh, in, next door to each other. And uh, in one yard, uh, the mother and the, and the baby and the kid, there's a kid, uh, are, are in the yard and a snake comes across the yard. And the mother's so freaked out with snakes, she starts screaming and all that stuff like that and a kid is watching the snake and all of that and i say and the snake slithers through into the next yard but the mother there she's a, a biologist a zoologist and she sees the snake and she shows her son who's in the yard look the snake this is so wonderful picks up the snake and holds it and shows him the snake and everything and i go so those are two different experiences two different kids with two different experiences i say now they're 30 years old they're walking down the street a snake slithers across I'll tell you what one kid's going to do. He's going to go, oh, this. But the other kid's going to look at it and go, oh, that's okay. And I go, that behavior was an experience that has lingered on and programmed them forever point after that. So the idea, just the idea of the snake had two different images for two different people. This is how we experience the world. 
And this is why the first seven years is so critical in this, this experiencing. But then we can tie in the story of the snail. I say, what does the snail do? I say, well, the snail, are we going for higher energy? And I go, so how do you do that? And I say, well, you seek the things that give you higher energy, the things that good vibes. Oh, I love that. Gives me good vibes. People give good vibes. There are people who that you're around, you feel more energy with than people you, that uh, other people you know that when they're around, you don't feel that energy. In fact, some people come around, you actually feel you lose energy, good vibes, bad vibes, energy levels. When you put yourself into the community of a small group and they're all in harmony with each other, then that means you as an individual in the middle of a field of harmonic energy, meaning they're they're in harmony with you, uh, boost your energy. You and and you get higher energy, and you're much more capable of uh, of dealing with things. If you're in a regular world, and there are people surrounding you. Some people have good energy, bad energy. I say, well, I, that sort of cancels each other out. So a group uh, is a destination. A group is where I go to get higher energy and higher energy is more vitality, more life. And it gives you an opportunity to, to think more clearly because when we're in stress here, and this is a very important point, when we're in stress, stress hormones shut off the conscious thinking brain. I go, why? Because it's a slow processor. <laughs> it doesn't process that fast. And if, let's say your car is going out of control on a skid and you're, and you're in the, you stay in the conscious brain. It would be something like this. Oh, that I say, but if you connect to the subconscious brain, then guess what? You have automatic behavior instant. Uh, it's a million times more powerful a computer, the subconscious. So the moment you start to get out of control, guess what? You are automatically hitting the brakes, gas, steering, turning and doing everything because that's the fast way of doing it. So the problem is this, the more stress you're under, the less you're processing from creative thinking because the stress hormones are, are reducing this. And if you start to reduce the stress, then you become more clear and working with your conscious brain. And that's the one where you can control the rest of the system with when it's working. <laughs> but as I said, for the average person, about 5% of the day is when you're absolutely operating from that conscious side. It's the best part of the day, in fact. Uh, but getting in a group puts you in an environment that enhances that energy and allows you, you know, that more powerful positive growth aspect, which gives you more consciousness and more ability to work with yourself, I think, than uh, when you shut yourself down because stress is on you at that point. Absolutely. And, you know, as I say, I, I find over and over again, when I'm dealing with people who are stuck or are super stressed, you know, oftentimes I will just say to them, get off of yourself. Start intending for, you know, Diane over here who's got more money problems than you or whatever. And actually it's an it's an Rx for that person themselves because as soon as they start focusing on someone else, something miraculous happens inside people. And I've been observing um, altruism for a while. And of course, that's really antithetical to, you know, you and I both grew up in the, what was so-called the, the me generation, you know, where people were focused on themselves. Even the whole idea of self-help, I don't like, because it focuses so much on, it's all about me, 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 me. And what I've found is over and over again, other help seems to be more strengthening and more helpful for people who have been so stuck for so long, 
like that woman, Andrea, when she suddenly started doing intention for other people, she suddenly realized, actually, I I like helping other people, but they also like helping me. So suddenly it validated her that she was worthy of getting uh, intention. But the other thing that seems to be so important and particularly, you know, lockdown really, really exacerbated this, um, which is isolation. You know, we we live such isolated lives now um, and we have done. And that was even worse through all of these, you know, with the years of covid. And this is so dangerous for us. Scientists recognize it. I love one scientist recently said, you know, if we were animals in a zoo, it should say, should not live in isolation. You know, and that's so true. We need to be connected. We need, we need, we need and desire and need to be part of community. So before we leave you, Bruce, please tell everybody about your upcoming course or whatever it is that you've got going right now. <laughs> I, I, I lectures going all the time, and, and with you and with Greg and Anita and my friend Shamini, a, a community of wonderful people. We talk about this all the time in different aspects of what you are a powerful creator, and you have no knowledge of it. Uh, and knowledge is power. So no knowledge means no power until we can give you the information. And, and fortunately, it's not just new age. Oh, that would be nice thinking. No, it's there's a science behind all of this. And it's not the science you grew up with. There's new science. Uh, and that's the new knowledge. And if you become aware of it, then you have power to change everything in your life. You can change everything. And you are powerful, except your belief system, your programming, that was the big part. It's the programming that you got in that first seven years that is actually uh, expressing 95% of your life. Uh, And that's why uh, our conscious mind with great wishes and desires doesn't seem to match the program in many cases. Uh, And that's where we feel the victim. I want to have this, I want to have that, but it's not working. So I'm a victim. And I go, no, it's a program. And 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 you can change this. I mean, uh, I, I'm a happy guy. Yeah, just a happy guy. No, I learned how to change some of that programming. You know, I, I, I was programmed for relationships by my mother and father. Quite dysfunctional relationship. What did I manifest for 40 plus years? Dysfunctional relationships. Why? unconsciously playing those programs that I downloaded and, and with the opportunity to change, whatever way you want to change. Uh, I, I changed it. I, I have been on a honeymoon with Margaret for 28 years now, every day. It's exciting to wake up on uh, in a honeymoon world, a heaven on earth. It doesn't mean everything works for me, but love and harmony and, and and all that that's the most important part of all of it and most of it has lost our love and i go how'd you lose it i go because a lot of us were programmed where we were criticized that's the big issue not good enough not smart enough not deserving not loving these are parents uh they were trying to needle us to do better but they didn't understand a child under seven is not consciously understanding what the the parents saying they're just recording 
oh, not good enough, not lovable, not this, not that. And I go, and that's 95% of our life. Uh, and between the, whether it's uh, energy psychology or the uh, lens wonderful circles, uh, uh, we have that power to take it back. And I can speak to that because uh, for a guy who looked over for 40 some years, couldn't get a relationship and, and now has enjoyed 28 years of a honeymoon, even wrote a book about it. Uh, <laughs> the idea is we can all have that. Everyone can have this. And we just have to need to know, then why don't I have it? And the answer was not because you can't have it. It's because your programs didn't let you get there. Changing the program, personal empowerment. And uh, my buddy Lynn over here, she's doing a great job. And I so appreciate being with her. And I actually appreciate being here with you. Why? Because this is an opportunity for all of us to get together and create something different. The world is in chaos. We all have to step out of that conventional world and start creating a better world because it's imminent. And uh, there is a better opportunity. And Buckminster Fuller, the futurist, said, don't go in and change the old world. Step outside, build a new one. Uh, and uh, this is why I so appreciate working with Lynn and, and my other colleagues, because there's a plan. And we can get there. You bet, Bruce. And it's brucelipton.com. Yes. For anybody who wants to find out more about Bruce, brucelipton.com. For me, my Power of Eight Masterclass 2023 is kicking off on February 4th. And for that, it's Intention Boot Camp. I put you through weeks of live and interactive uh, webinars with me. I'm live. I'm, I'm working with you. And then I put you into Power of Eight groups of your very own, according to your time zone and preferences. And we meet through the year with Intention Clinics. So essentially, I'm men mentoring you for a whole year to change those programs and to create a happy, harmonious and powerful life. So please check out all of that on lynnmctaggart.com. I'm also calling in all of my Power of Eight groups. There's tens of thousands of them. I realized I've got a little army of change makers here. And I know we've been talking about this. The world needs to change. The world is, the old programs are collapsing and we are eating our own children now. We need change. And I've got that little army of change makers already. So I'm going to be providing people with free tools. It'll be kicking off in the next week or two. We want to start our own little peaceful revolution. So make sure to check it out on lynnmctaggart.com. Thank you, Dr. Bruce. It's always an amazing pleasure to spend time with you. And I also can say, knowing Margaret, that he is right. They've got a wonderful honeymoon going <laughs> on all the time. So thank you so much for spending this time. And thank you, everybody, for being in conversation with us. 